Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to kind of a really unique edition of the Extra Mile podcast. Yeah, this is a simulcast, the first one that we've ever done with that. It's obviously not live, but um, we had a really awesome experience about an hour ago, didn't we? Oh, it was incredible. Uh, it's so fun uh, talking to these guys. Uh, there's so much knowledge between both of them, that, and, and, and plus there's, there's such a... a, a Two characters mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Great sense of humor. Um, it went awesome. By now, I'm sure if you uh, you're watching this or listening to this, you've seen the title that we had a great time with uh, Scott Vickery and Chris Dyer of yep. uh, FCA Business Link, and they really are. We we post about this a lot. They really are the Abbott and Costello of the industry, aren't they? Oh, without a doubt. So maybe better than Abbott and Costello. It's in color, at least. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's true. No black and white. We, right. we, we, we go all the way. That's right. So it, it, to be able to kind of put this in perspective before we let you guys go, this is, um, for those of you that are football fans or sports fans in general, um, I guess you could say this about maybe concerts or something like that, too. It's it, This was that event that you're looking forward to all week, all month. Um, and, you know, as you're going through it, as you get started, that anticipation kind of builds. And it was just really one of those experiences sitting behind the camera, in my case, and you obviously sit in between them, that you get to that point, uh, for us it was about 28 or so minutes in, or, you know, football game yeah. in the mid-fourth quarter, where you've had a great time, you just don't want it to end. It was <laughs> it was really that much fun to watch these guys just go completely unscripted in this case. Well, we, we had no questions yeah. or anything. And it, it flowed very smoothly, but both of those guys are so knowledgeable, yeah. so... It was just a pleasure to sit there, ask them questions, and get their feedback. I just wish I could have taken notes. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was the only thing. Well, and Scott did. He said he had eight more uh, eight more topics for a new podcast down the road. So hopefully this is a little bit of uh, uh, the start of something, a little bit of a pilot for you guys. Maybe not on video every time, but still. Absolutely. So let's get to it. Hey, welcome to the Extra Mile. And we've got a incredible treat for you today we've got two uh, of the of the funniest and most knowledgeable guys i know in this whole business and uh, we have scott vickery scott thank you for being here chris dyer yes, sir just love having you guys uh, knowledgeable and facts uh scott you've been one of our uh, reps of the year uh, two years ago absolutely so awesome about that i've got to do something What's up? You guys kicked this thing off with, with an incredible, uh, I'll call it an event, <laughs> okay? And I want you guys to explain where you came up with that and, and why. So, Scott, we'll start with you, and then you can hand off to Chris. You know, it, it, it really it started off a couple of years ago as a joke. I mean, you know, Chris and I were talking one night, and you know, we, we were sharing that you know, here we were in Orlando for an entire week away from the family. Um, he was, you know, sharing that his wife was like, yeah, I, I think you guys are just down there, you know, goofing around, you know, by meeting, you mean like, you know, two and three of your buddies and you get to go play golf. Uh, so we were trying to figure out how we, how we show our wives and how we show them that, Hey, we are truly down here working. And this is more than just, you know, three people sitting around a table having a meeting. And so the concept came up of what if we got a selfie stick and like did a video and then we're like, well, that's kind of weird. Like, how do you stand up in front of a group of, you know, four or 500 people with a selfie stick and do a video of yourself? And so we kind of laughed about it. And that's when Chris added in what you typically don't see on the video is the 
the comments afterward, yep. and I'll let Chris cover that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so and you're you're sitting with probably one of the most digitally savvy commercial reps, you know, uh, of all the OEMs, and so obviously his mind immediately goes to digital uh, when it comes to getting the crowd engaged, and of so it does. of course it does, right? <laughs> and uh, so the the comments really it starts before he ever hits the record button. And uh, we use the selfie video as a way to get everybody up, uh, get everybody clapping. And then usually I say something just absolutely ridiculous into the camera that is only really heard when you actually watch the video. And, and so I've, I've continued that tradition, um, I guess now for about the last three, three years. Yeah, three years. And, uh, and it's usually whatever comes to the, to the top of my, uh, to the top, off the top of my head. And this is like 2020. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, but no, that was uh, you know, and I think I, we cool. we came on with the selfie stick when uh, you know most of them had been sold out. We had to go to a couple WalMarts to find a selfie stick to yeah, purchase. That was uh, <laughs> that was an adventure finding yeah. a selfie stick, but it's traveled with us well. It has. It has traveled oh, with us well. Well, you know, it, it's now a tradition. So you guys are gonna have to keep this up, That's and you're true. gonna have to come up. You have to top it, though. You're going to have to come up with something extra. But, you know, the, the funniest part about it, Ken, is after everything is said and done and Chris turns around to the crowd and everybody's up, they're clapping, he looks at me and goes, you know what, guys, honestly, kind of kind of played a trick on you. you know, no matter how this event goes, whether it's a complete bust or an absolute success, we've got video evidence of the entire crowd on their feet giving us a standing, standing ovation. Yeah. And people look at us, you see their face go... Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good move. You know, strong. Liked it. But, uh, now, well, we, you know, we had talked about taking it out of the event, but it truly is. It's fun. You know, I think everybody enjoys it and tradition. And yeah. you know, I laugh like on, on LinkedIn. You end up seeing people are like, you know, hey, love the video again this year. It was the same video as you know the last event last year. <laughs> but the reality is, you know, it's just that it's yeah. fun. It's just. It's goofy, Absolutely. and we have a good time. That is it. true. Oh, it's great. It, it's it's genius. <laughs> it is genius. I've got a, a, a powerful question, and you guys have been doing this for a while. Dealerships come into the Business Link program with great intentions, mm -hmm. and then kind of fizzle out. So, what are the keys of the dealerships that take it to the next level, and those that make excuses? So. Chris, why don't we start with you on this? Yeah, I think that's a good, uh, that's a great question. And I think the one thing that we see is its mindset. And um, it starts obviously with having items on the shelf to shelf, items on the shelf to sell. And that comes with inventory. And I think that the, where the mindset comes in is we see this happen all the time. And that is that a dealer will order up on inventory and they'll truly show they're in the commercial game. And they either have a mindset of fear or a mindset of growth. And the mindset of fear says, we order these units and we get a little scared, right? That's the whole goal is to get just enough to get you, uh, get you worried a little bit. But usually what happens is if they've made the investment to come here, they've made the investment to bring the small business sales specialist in or bring someone like Ken in, they start to see that success. And that is the pivotal point. The pivotal point is when they see that sales success, what is the next action they take? Uh, a, a mindset of fear, they don't reorder. They think, oh, whew. I got out from under that. What let me a go, relief. What a relief. Yes. I got back. Let me go back to selling my Jeeps. Let me go back to selling my Dodges. The dealers that truly differentiate themselves when they sell through those vehicles or as they start to sell through them, they start to double down, triple down. And they go from initially ordering 10, 15, 20 vehicles to then within a year, you'll see a lot full 
of 60, 70, 80 vehicles because they're starting to, they have that mindset of growth. And at that point, it really becomes such a part of the DNA of the dealership that they can't, they can't uh, take their foot off the gas. And that's truly well, what I think differentiates and keeps someone in the game. Scott, anything to add to that? You know, I think the, the one thing that I look at, and Chris is right, I mean, it all starts with inventory. And a lot of times we get the question, should I have inventory or should I have the guy? You know, I don't have a guy, so I can't order inventory. Or I can't order inventory because I don't have the guy. Whatever it may be, you know, we, we, we get into that, that dilemma. Mm-hmm. And so Chris is right on the fear side. It's a lot easier, you know, it, it's a lot easier to, to not order the inventory because you don't feel like you have somebody. But once you've ordered that inventory, you've ordered 15, 20, 25 units, and you've made a significant investment, now all of a sudden it forces you to say, I will get the guy mm-hmm. versus, you know, kind of in that, that debating stage. Uh, and I think the key there is, um, but I think so many times, you know, the, the, the thought process is, well, I've got to, I've got to hire somebody, but I don't know, I don't know exactly what I need. I don't know exactly the, the skill set that I need. So they're looking at their, their environment and they've got a guy that says, I'll do it. May not be the best hire, but they're like, all right, I've got a guy. The guy knows nothing about business to business sales, wants to focus on it like a, like a, a retail Sale. I mean, does that make sense, Ken? I see it all the time, mm-hmm. Scott. I mean, it's it's so prevalent. And I talked about it in the hiring program today about you know taking that guy off the showroom floor, for instance, or a guy just walks in who doesn't understand it, and uh, he stays inside the dealership. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get out the door, and it's it's different kinds of fear. It's a fear of failure, but it's a fear of what do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, if you think about it from a dealer perspective, I mean, a traditional retail dealership, you know, the sales managers are there, the sales consultants are there, and the customers are there. So it's like you have this bubble that you can operate in, and there's that force field on the front door where people think if you walk out that front door, you've now lost yourself from the force field, and you, you, you've lost control of the of the employees. Um, where, you know, a lot of our business customers will never step foot inside the dealership, and so we have to have that outbound process. Right. And I think the other challenge that we run into when it comes down to it is that, you know, we, we have to have that outbound process. Yes. And so you start talking about that outbound process um, in, uh, you know, in the dealership environment. I think the challenge is everybody looks at it and says, well, I've got to learn about B2B sales. It's all business to business, and how am I going to go out and find businesses, and talk to businesses, and the reality, Ken, and, and, and you know, Chris and I have talked about this till, at length, it is truly business-to-business sales, but it's people at a business buying from people at another business, and that's what we lose sight of Amen. because it's relationships. It's I don't yeah. need to go out and find businesses. I need to go out and find business owners. I need to find people that you know consume our product that I can create a relationship, show the value of what we bring to the table, show the the products that we have and how they can benefit you know the the business and run their you know, just it baffles me how there's such this you know it, it almost turns into a puzzle that people can't solve and they their their thought process throw their hands in there and say you know what I can't do it uh, yeah it's, they, you know, yeah you see it all the time I, I mean do. I can you guys have a career in helping dealerships exactly. build these departments oh exactly I mean, <laughs> well you know it's it's funny because they don't they don't think strategically and we always start when we go into a dealership we start out all right who are the orphan clients that were that a retail guy sold a, a commercial vehicle and it's in the name of the business start there mm-hmm. uh, step two service but not sold who's servicing their vehicles with us but they bought someplace else they already like the dealership so 
we start with baby steps. Oh, yeah. And then we start getting them out the door. Then we have them join an association. And we start meeting people at the association. You hit it. It's about people building relationships with people. Mm-hmm. It's not some magnanimous super, you know, war strategy, you know, and bring the tanks in and the airplanes. It's uh, it's people liking people. Oh, yeah. So, but I think, you know, you talked about it, too, strategic. Um, you know, and I've used the example before at a dealership. Uh, they hired a new guy, and he was, he was a, a business-to-business sales guy, had a lot of relationships. But his relationships weren't centered in a, a radius of the dealership. They were centered all over the region. Mm. And so he would literally spend three hours driving to this customer and then three hours driving back. And the next day he would spend two hours driving here. And what it turned into was, you know, a bad meeting was costing him eight hours. Days, yeah. Days. You know, instead of looking, going, all right, in a five-mile radius of my dealership, there's 200 companies that I can go and introduce myself, my products, and my business to versus the one guy that's three hours away that if I have a bad meeting, I'm out eight hours and when I finally, you know, sat down with him, I'm like, dude, we really got to work on strategy. He's like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's let's do something there. Great point. Great point. And Chris, I know you've seen it. And uh, what if you were going to counsel them about you know, starting out, a starting point? Mm-hmm. Where would you start them? So I would say, let's assume they've got the basics. They've got some inventory. Um, You know, maybe they've, uh, because I think that's step one no matter what is. You know, if you're looking at this as a dealer principal, you're looking at this as a commercial salesperson or someone looking at getting into commercial sales, the first thing to look at is has the dealership made the investment in the product that you're going to sell? Because, you know, the math is pretty simple. We see a turn rate of 25 to 30% of inventory in a given month. If you've got eight vehicles, well, there's your numbers, right? If you've got 100 vehicles, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up to have a little bit more success. But I think that once you've, once, you've, once you've got the inventory on the ground, the biggest thing is, and we say this up on stage, is getting the commercial customer to the commercial manager as fast as possible. And, you know, I know that with the commercial truck training um, and, you know, with your process, you go to the customer. So there's no way that that customer can enter the relationship without having come into contact with a commercial sales consultant or commercial sales manager. But for the dealerships that haven't made that investment in sending someone outside, you know, it's very important that when you have that person come in on a chassis cab or a ProMaster that you get it to the person you've invested all this time and effort and training because they understand how not only the the nuts and bolts of the vehicles but on the commercial selling process because as Scott mentioned selling to a business owner is very different than selling to a retail customer. But you know Chris let me you bring up a good point there and Ken you know you and I have had this conversation before. Yes. So two schools of thought. Mm-hmm. I have to hire an outside sales guy to go out and knock on doors, introduce my product, my service, my business to people. The other thought is I never want my commercial guy to leave the dealership because what happens if somebody walks into the dealership and he's not here? I'm I'm a firm believer that you have to have a rock solid inside person before you can have an effective outside person. 100% agree. And, you know, there's a balance there because we can't do everything inside and we can't do everything outside. You know, and that's something that Chris and I have talked a lot about, and uh, you know, you've talked about it in your training as well. How does that balance look? I mean, where do you where do you see it? it? It's kind of interesting. What we look for, ideally, what we would like is a commercial manager and two salespeople. Mm-hmm. 
one salesperson in, one salesperson out, and either alternate days or every two days. So there's always someone to take care of the commercial customer because inevitably, and it's usually the rookie retail sales guy who grabs it and doesn't want to let go mm -hmm. and doesn't know anything about commercial trucks, the business owner realizes right away and he says, I'll give back to you, which means you'll never see me yeah. again. Exactly. And that's what happens. So ideally, too, but I agree with you. Uh, what the next step is what we'll do with a lot of dealerships, and I'm getting ready to do this with uh, San Antonio Dodge, actually. We found a young guy in the dealership who really wants to be an outside guy, but we're going to make him the inside guy for right now. He's going to have to take all of the Business Link training. He's going to have to take all the programs. Learn the ropes. Yeah, and then when Eddie Wu is out on sales calls. Love Eddie. Eddie is <laughs> Eddie's a character. Just there last week. Uh, while Eddie's out, you know, he'll be there to handle the customer and we'll know enough where we don't lose that sale. So You know, and I think that's probably one of the most important things that we're missing in a lot of stores is that balance. Yeah. You know, having somebody there to that can answer the question, somebody that can educate the customer, but also somebody that can go out, knock on doors and create the opportunity. Yes. But I think it's also important that the dealers understand they don't have to start with a commercial sales manager and two sales consultants. Yeah. I think what you're doing with San Antonio Dodge is a perfect example yeah. of you know getting walking before or crawling before you walk, right. and then walking before you run. And I think that that you will, if you can train from the inside somebody um, to start, you know, with the incoming leads based on the inventory yeah. you have, based on your yeah. digital process, and then work them into that managerial role or that outside sales role. It's, it's a nice way to really start to organically grow a commercial department. Well, but I think you just brought up something there, Chris. You talked about the digital process, driving traffic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a conversation that we've had as well. When you start looking at, does it make sense for me to guarantee an outside sales consultant four grand a month to get them up and running versus spending that $4,000 a month driving digital traffic and leads in on the inventory that I've invested in mm -hmm. and having a solid process in the dealership? I think that's part of that balance because yeah, we do have to take digital into account. Right. We How do. can we use you know our third-party lead providers like Commercial Truck Trader and Work Truck yeah. Solutions to help integrate into the process, drive leads in, effectively manage them, but then also to have that outside person bringing in you know periphery stuff that doesn't come through that channel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. In fact, it's kind of interesting, but and I'll use San Antonio Dodge as an example. Um, I said, you have to join the home builders, not an option. Mm -hmm. So they did, the dealership bought in. Uh, we were meeting with them this week. Uh, we got their list. We got all the email addresses. We're putting those into uh, our format. Will is handling that, and they're going to receive our flyers. They're going to receive connections to our inventory. They're going to receive um, the newsletter, you know, promoting Eddie and the department. And we know what's going to happen the calls will start coming in. So you're exactly right on that. It's a combination of, of digital. It's a combination of being out. It's a combination of joining associations. Uh, this morning I brought up BNI in one of our meetings. One of the guys raised his hand. He said, yeah, I get leads every week oh, yeah. out of BNI. So it, it, a lot of it's working smarter too, um, Scott. I mean, uh, combining all That's what we're doing at San Antonio. We're combining exactly what you're saying, digital, um, associations, group settings, because if it's one guy, 
the group makes sense. You know, you go to those meetings and see four, five, six different people that right. you meet. And we have requirements. I asked Susan Smith, uh, who is the executive director of the San Antonio Home Builders, Susan, if Eddie asked you to introduce him to someone, would you be willing to help us? She said, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I asked her, how many leads come in where people are asking about commercial trucks? She said, Kent, every month. I said, who do those go to? He said, well, right now, if you guys are as active as I think you're going to be, they're probably going to go to you because we have two other dealerships that don't even come to the meetings, but they're members. Well, and that goes back to our you know, conversations before. I mean, you can't just join an association and not attend. You know, yeah. that's, that you're paying membership dues at that point. And, you know, I mean, you know, Chris and I both spent time at, at Enterprise Fleet Management. You know, the enterprise model was you go, you join as many committees, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's yeah. membership committee, finance. you know, finance, you know, events, what, whatever the, 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 the committee you could get on yeah. was the one you got on, you know, so that you could get engaged with, uh, you know, with the members. <laughs> and, you know, you almost treat it as a, I'm not going to say a recruiting tool, but it gave you an opportunity to talk to every new member. Yeah. You know, hey, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. Next thing you know, you're talking about business. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a crazy concept. But, yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're going to build relationships. We're going to share ideas. And you're going to like me. And you know, you're probably going to buy it from me. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. But you know, Ken, and I've said it for years, you know, with, if, you, if you look at marketing and, and the, the way that business is going, I mean, digital is absolutely a huge, huge aspect of what we need to do. And if you look at it from digital retailing, and you know, I, I read an article last night about uh, NADA. You know, in the last several years of NADA, there's been a lot of new products, and we're going to change the world, and we've got a silver bullet. And this year, the article kind of said that people have stepped back from those new products and those silver bullets, saying, you know what, we've got to look at basics, we've got to look at fundamentals, and we've got to look at products that actually you know, we can we can attribute. Yeah. You know, where did this lead come from? How did the traffic come in? You know, is it last touch? Who's attribute? You know, how are we going to look at it? But the reality, I think, that it really comes down to is there is not technology on earth that can replace a warm smile, a firm handshake, and Amen. a genuine hello. Absolutely. Sitting across from somebody, sharing a cup of coffee, oh. and that is what I think we're missing today because the answer that a lot of people want to do is. Well, let's throw money at it. Mm -hmm. You know, Chris, can I get some co-op budget? You know, let's double down on, on this. Yep. Guys, we can double down on anything we want to, but if we're driving leads into the dealership and somebody is not there catching them right. and nurturing them, we're never going to see results from it. Oh. You know, one of, I'm sitting there laughing. One of these days, I'm going to get passionate about this business again. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Gosh, you know, I was going to kind of mention that. You yeah. know, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're so laid back and... No, uh, <laughs> liven it up a little bit. Wow, uh, oh, it, 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 it's it, it's crazy because uh, and I have to share that I was at a truck club, speaking at a truck club meeting about four years ago, and I was talking about uh, targeted marketing. You know that uh, the worst thing you can do is send out a three thousand piece mail mm -hmm. because it's going to cost you a fortune and you're going to get very little results. Uh, a friend of mine, Richard Biso, know Richard well. Yep, uh, walked up to me and he said, Ken. We did that about two months ago, and it's been a total failure. I said, it's Target. Well, we tell our dealership, why don't we send out 10 pieces at a time and then follow up with it mm -hmm. and stay on top of it? But you, you've hit it right on the nose. It's moving to a digital age. More of the business owners are, are millennials that are taking over businesses. They understand technology. They understand you know, why they text. They understand the Internet, and they're attracted to people who have the same understanding. Mm -hmm. 
But I will say this is that I the the investment in digital is very important, but it what still what it still comes back to is having someone that you feel is a trusted advisor yeah, on the absolutely. other end of the phone. Because we see this over and over. The, the arms race is getting the lead, yeah. but the folks who convert that lead at a much higher rate are the folks that have invested in someone who you know, not only has the you know the the personal skills, but also the knowledge to make that person feel comfortable about their purchase. Because what the one thing that is happening in the car business is that it's changing. You know, and whether that be the technology that's required, whether that be the know-how on just how to you know use the uh, the the center console or you know use the various features on on the on the vehicles, and even with the the folks taking over businesses that are that millennial age, they still value that person that they can go to as an expert to help them with those with those additional elements that, that they can't find you know behind the keys of a keyboard. Yeah. No, but, but I think Chris, you know, you, you hit it on the head when you start talking about that. You know, you mentioned like your car buying experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you and Rachel wanted to buy a new car. You know, I don't want to go to the dealership. Chris, you're in the business. Yeah. I know, but I still don't want to go to the dealership. Well, I, went to my, I went to my local dealer and they tried to rake me over the coals. Remember me? I'm your rep. But no, we laugh about it. But you know, you look at like Carvana. You know, and everybody says, oh, Carvana's business model. It's horrible. They lost hundreds of millions of dollars. But you know what else happened? 97,000 people last year hated the dealership buying experience enough to go to Carvana and purchase a vehicle. Amen. That to me says, I don't care how, if that's the perfect model, that's the perfect model. I don't know that it is or I don't know that it's not. But the reality is you had almost 100,000 people that said, I dislike the current model enough to be able to do something different. And I think, you know, from the millennial side of it, you know, Chris and I joke about it all the time. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're good friends, but, you know, from an age standpoint, you know, we're, you know, we're a few years apart. Yeah, a few. It's all good. But it's, you know, it, it is. younger. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> like, leave it at that. Let the YouTube comments. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is funny because it, it's working with Chris and with Mark and Tim and, you know, the, the rest of our team. I think it's it's forced me to think about things differently, too. Yeah. You know, being a little bit older. Um, you know, coming up in an era where we didn't have a lot of the digital stuff. We didn't have, you know, the tools and the, the texting and stuff. You know. I did a presentation a few years ago in my business plan, and, and we were talking about, you know, is Facebook gonna gonna solve commercial sales? I, yes, no, maybe, whatever. Is Instagram gonna be the next thing? You know, is it gonna be Snapchat? Is it gonna be Woo Woo? You know, I, who knows? And honestly, who cares? But the reality is, as younger people come up through the system, if they're comfortable communicating with Snapchat, and that's how they want to be communicated with, then we need Thank to you. communicate yes. with them on Snapchat. Right. And again, I'm not saying that it's it's Snapchat, but I'm saying is if there's a preferred communication method, mm -hmm. then we need to use that. I'll give you a great example of that. You know, we preach it in our trainings, and I know you guys talk about it a lot. Uh, I had to get a, a, a console recovered, so we went to a local upholsterer company in uh, in Birmingham and walked in. I already had the console apart. I thought, you know, stall my console. It can't be that bad. You just put the stuff over it, put a couple staples. Yeah, not so much. Oh, that's an art. So took it to him, and the young lady wrote up the ticket, and she said, Mr. Vickery, um, I just have a quick question for you. Would you prefer to be communicated with via phone, email, or text? And I said, honestly, text would be fantastic. She said, great. She circled text, handed me my ticket, and I walked out the door. About 10 minutes later, I had a text from her. Hey, Scott, this is Julianne, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
talk to the tech, it's going to be about this much money. We can have it ready on Friday as promised if that's acceptable for you. Absolutely perfect. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Boom. That. The decision was made. It was easy for me. I got to write that down. But it was, it was easy to communicate. And she did exactly what I asked her to do. Yeah. I mean, think about and it. Ken, if she wanted to receive it. If yeah. your phone rings right now, can you answer it? No. No. We've already had one phone call stop this. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's but that's my point. You know, so many times we focus on, hey Chris, I'm gonna call you. Yeah. Because you don't want to call me. I mean, my phone goes off all day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, hundreds of text messages, emails, phone calls. You know, but I think that's where we have to do a better job of understanding the, the communication and and giving people the option of, of telling us how they want to do business with us. Yeah. Again, kind of a novel concept. Novel but classic. Yes, correct. <laughs> Novel yeah. but classic. Chris, uh, why don't you wrap us up here, and uh, I'm going to give you uh, hit you with a, a very easy question. Okay, I like softballs. <laughs> uh, again, dealership calls, mm -hmm. and they say, "Hey, you know, we want to get to this commercial thing." Okay. And uh, if you had to give them just three, two or three steps to to ensure that they're going to do it correctly, what advice would you give them? Gotcha. All right, so. Um, I think I, 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 you'll find a theme to my comments here. Okay. Uh, so step one is inventory. Uh, if you're not willing to make the investment in inventory, Good. you're not willing to be a true commercial dealership. Um, the second is invest in your people. And uh, you know dealerships, I think, have all these different uh, investments that they can make to grow their business, whether it's upfitted up lifestyle trucks or mobile service. And um, but the, the the one element I would say. That, that would sway a dealership towards the commercial sales and fleet role is that in the long run, it's recession-proof. I mean, the, the, these businesses are going to need vehicles um, because as, as Scott talks about in, in the training, the, these, are, these are tools. You know, these, are, these, are, these are core foundational tools to someone's business. If you told an HVAC company that they had to you know, carry the you know, air handlers on their back, you know, the, the, the business would be out of business. And so, or, you know, HVAC company, what are you going to do, drive an or have an autonomous vehicle go out on a service call? Exactly. Can't do it. Yep. You have to have a technician in that vehicle. And so to your point, I mean, technology and, and everything that's happening yes. really yep. kind of isolates where we are and the growth opportunities. And so the, purpo the purpose of that comment was more to say so that if you're a dealer principal or a general manager and you're looking at where you can make investments to grow your business and not only to grow your business but to grow your business in a segment where the competition is less than just selling more Jeep Wranglers or selling more you know, uh, Challengers or Chargers, the fleet and commercial business is a great place to find niches of business that you can own and not only uh, perform well in your dealer marketing area but perform well regionally if not nationally and so it's it's having the inventory and having a dealer principal who is truly invested and willing to make that investment not only in the inventory but in the people and in the process oh good point it's i was uh four or five years ago i was meeting with ray huffines okay yeah huffines in texas the owner and ray said something very interesting he said ken he said the future of our business is in commercial and fleet mm -hmm. and said here's why i'm saying that he said the retail side, the grosses are dropping dramatically. He said the money's not there. We're all on, on the same footing. Commercial fleet is a way to set ourselves apart. And that's exactly what we're saying. Well, think, think about the blurred lines, too. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, if I were to tell you that, you know, people were 
uh, were buying cars and driving strangers around, right, for extra right. income, yeah. you would have called me crazy. I mean, my, we, my we, parents... We called that hitchhiking yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, my parents, yeah. that's what my parents told me not to do. Don't get in a stranger's car, right? right? Oh, Much less yeah. pay them for the right, right, you know? And so I think that, that, that what is really unique about our business um, is that that line between retail and commercial is 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 being erased? There are people I think that you'll yeah. see by the time we get to 2030, the majority of people purchasing vehicles. That vehicle will not only be used for retail purposes of transportation, but there will be some type of business element, whether it be deliveries or you know or advertising or sales or whatever it may be. And I think that that's exciting. If I'm sitting here, I'm a commercial dealer. And I used to think I had to have you know white vans and white trucks, and now instead I'm I'm finding new ways to sell Renegades or Wranglers or Grand Cherokees using the business to business yeah. model. It's a it, it, it's a great place to be for a dealer. Well, and I think that kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier today. You know, a lot of dealers do extremely well selling white trucks, white cargo vans, that commercial vehicle mentality, right. mm -hmm. rather than stepping back and saying, you know what. Our process is designed to to create relationships and and work on that that sales to a business owner regardless of whether they have one vehicle, twenty vehicles, or a hundred vehicles, because that brings up a whole nother realm oh, of questions. I mean, wow. we could have a, an entire another podcast on buckets. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. business, yeah. retail, commercial, fleet, government, you mixed know, use. Exactly yeah. how you know how those which incentives we use, which programs we use. You know, uh, from a, a manufacturing standpoint, you know which bucket we pull those vehicles from. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's crazy when you look at it. And one of the things I wanted to add to Chris's uh, uh, answer on that, you know, I think service is something that we really overlook a lot of times mm -hmm. when we're talking about it from totally agree. the the commercial side. Of yes, it. because you know, no matter what survey you look at, when a small vehicle or a small business owner has a vehicle down, it's costing them money. Okay, I don't care if it's a dollar or ten thousand dollars a day. If that vehicle is not operating, it's costing them money. Revenue. Revenue. Yeah. Into the business. Okay. So if you think about it, do they do they still have to pay their employee? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They're still paying benefits. They're still paying rent. They're still paying light bills. They're still marketing. They're still advertising. And the crazy part is they still have customers that are expecting to be serviced. And that, that, that tech may be down or you yeah. know, the employee can't get to them. So now they've got customer service issues and all of these things. So for them, it, you know, it goes back to what we say all the time. It's not about how much it is to get my vehicle back on the road. We have to be competitive. I'm not saying that you can charge whatever you want to service a business owner's vehicle. You have to be competitive. But I think giving them options. Mr. Customer, i got a couple different options for you. Okay, This part is currently not available overnight. Okay, This is what I can do for you. I can get it overnight, but it's going to have to come from the California Parts Depot. It's going to cost an additional $36. I can have the vehicle for you tomorrow at 4 if you don't want to pay the $36, I can have it Wednesday at 4. Which one works best for you and your business? At that point, we've given them an option. They've got an you know, understanding of, of what we're doing, and they feel like we're working with them instead of against them. And 95% of the time, they're going to take the more expensive option because yep. time... The, the day that truck's off the road costs them far more than that $36. Significantly more. And that's an opportunity for more profit for the dealership, too. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And think about the word amount there. You know, when oh, you gosh. think about it from a, a retail standpoint, you, you look at a you know an average RO or whatever the number is. You know, you've got Express Loop. You know, do we need Express Loop? One hundred percent, and I think that's important to a dealership. But you know, do I want to build an Express Loop facility or do I want to build five commercial bays that I can run diesel trucks through? 
you know, where ROs are twice as much and they come twice as often. I'm not real good at math. You put a dollar sign in front of it, Ken, I can figure it out. Uh, I've always said the most profitable customer to a dealership is the business customer. Yeah. By far. Well, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you. Guys. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you guys do an awesome job. And uh, Will Brogan and I thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, we're looking forward to many more years. Yeah, we always enjoy hanging out with you guys. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, picking your brain, get some insight from you. Great. God Come bless. In. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, now that you're on this side of the camera, kind of, yeah. what would you think? Uh, extremely valuable information because it was down to earth it was frontline information these are guys that have been to war mm -hmm. uh, they know what it's like out there on the streets what it's like to try to grow the business and to get their perspective from the manufacturer side yes. was so incredible and I specifically asked questions that should appeal to every dealership how do you get started you know what are the three or four keys in really making this happen when you're trying to grow a commercial department. Yeah. So it should be very valuable for anybody who's who's new at this. But really anybody who's struggling has been at it for a while and said, Well, how come we're not growing? Yeah. You know, the answer I think was was in this segment yeah. for sure. Yeah, keys keys to inventory, keys to marketing, keys to making the right efforts. Um, Scott pointed out a lot of great things that we teach in our boot camps, obviously as Chris did too, but some stuff that that are uh, that's coming down the line for me that we're going to be talking about a lot in some digital marketing courses that we touched on too. Yeah. So that it was just that was really really phenomenal. I hope everybody really watches this probably two three four times whether it's you know uh, listening on the extra mile or doing this on on our YouTube channel as well. We're going to share it across everything. Yeah, it's a so, half hour well spent. Very sure. very much so. So yeah. thank you guys for joining uh, us and and watching this far. And we've got some superstars coming to see us. So we're going to cut it off. But thanks so much guys. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye bye.